Hello and welcome to the Steelers Depot live stream here on this Monday, July 24th. As always, I am Alex Kazora. Joining me is Dave Bryan for our, our last our live stream, I should say, before training camp begins. So very excited for that. Very excited to kick the year off. And so Dave, as always, is here with me. How you doing, Dave? Doing great. Uh, finally start of camp week so it should be a busy so it should start getting getting busy around here for sure a lot to talk about yep players reporting on wednesday first practice on thursday of course we'll be there to cover it uh, it'll be me and uh, tim rice for the first uh, week or so and then probably me for the rest of it maybe with some other people uh, popping in so as always and for the final time before the season really kicks off uh, be sure to get your questions in as I can try to pull up the live stream. Just give me one second. Uh, Dave and I are here until the top of the hour answering as many Steelers questions as possible. Hopefully them all if you want a guarantee of your question being asked and answered and done so almost immediately. You can send, send us a super chat. No obligation though to do so. Um, there were a couple of questions that I'm not seeing in the live chat anymore that I'll go back to because I saw them in the back end of YouTube. It's a little bit weird there, but we'll start things off with John Pennington, who says, hello, Dave and Alex. If Canada is not re-signed after the season, with will the organization have a hard time finding an offensive coordinator to work with Tomlin? I really don't expect that to be an issue in terms of trying to find someone to work with Tomlin especially given his more defensive-minded background that's going to give the OC a bit more freedom and autonomy to probably uh, run the offense. So it's a, it's a far ways away potential problem, John, but I don't think it'll be an issue. No, I don't think they'll find an issue. There's all obviously uh, you know, people looking to make their mark in the NFL, the offensive coordinator position, and you, know, you just obviously would have to find the right one. Uh, that you think would mesh well with what what Kenny does and likes to do and and that kind of thing there. So uh, I, I I don't see that being being an issue and that obviously is a long ways off right now. Like I said, there's a couple of comments that I don't see in the actual public live chat anymore, but I saw on the back end before the stream began. I forget the names here, so I apologize. But one was asking, will the running back go the position of the fullback in the dodo? Will it eventually be like fully gone and teams will use wide receivers instead of running backs kind of in this Debo Samuel type of mold? I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that running backs will have a, a role and won't be almost eliminated the way that fullbacks are. So, you know, obviously there's a debate about how much money they're going to get and the value of second contracts, but the position is always going to exist. I wonder come next time that the uh, CBA comes up, they try to buck for uh, having, uh, instead of uh, like officially calling uh, certain positions, wide receiver and, and, and running back and tight end, if they if they lobby to have those positions called just like skilled positions <laughs> or, or something, uh, just for the sheer fact that uh, they could lump them together in, in – you know, some sort of uh, uh, franchise tag or, 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 or whatever there. You know, obviously, they would still be, you know, have the same roles and do the same thing. But I just wonder if that might be an angle that uh, players try to go after. Uh, you know, because look, you remember back what they did with uh, with, with Cam Hayward, right? Officially right. changed his position from uh, what uh, defensive end to defensive tackle. Uh, and, you know, I, I would imagine. 
uh, Hayward's side may have did that just for the sheer fact of, of, of how he would be classified, you know? Right. Because he was getting put in with like true, you know, four three defensive ends like a Khalil Mack, for example, or a Miles right. Garrett, and so he can never compete just statistically. I think the issue though with trying to lump those positions together, the running backs would want it. The receivers and tight ends would say, "Stay away from us, running backs. You're bad. You're bad, mo- right. uh, Jojo. You know, we don't want you anywhere near us. It's going to bring our value down." So I think that's going to be the issue. Uh, they may be outnumbered in terms of uh, wanting to do that. Right. That that that's all you know, something as well too. But I don't think we have to worry about that till twenty thirty and yeah. uh <laughs> that's many moons away from now. Yeah, it's gonna be an issue that affects some running backs in high school and college, not really affecting too many NFL level running backs right now. Someone had also asked who's more likely to break out this year, Mark Robinson or Calvin Austin the third. I think it has to be Calvin Austin just given the opportunity yeah. to play and I'm high on Robinson, but they don't seem to be as uh excited to to play him in year number two. And even with Austin, though, what's what's it, what's it, what's his upside? You know, what we talked about, you know, kind of touches. It feels like if he, if he was able to hit something like, you know, thirty to forty uh, total, like forty total touches, that that might be the high side on him. Probably it'll be inconsistent, but hopefully some big plays that you've talked about the importance for them to get some splash and maybe something in the return game. You know, receiver run game, RPO game. Um, you know, in vertically as well, I can see Austin making an impact there. So I don't know if either will break out, but I think Austin has a chance to make those impact plays that get put on highlight reels at the end of the season far more than what Robinson will likely be allowed to do. And look, that's something I wrote about several weeks about, uh, ago. And we talked about on, on the podcast, right? The, per- the percentage of explosive plays that he had for the amount of uh, 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 touches that he had in college was phenomenal. You know, right. uh, it really was. And in fact, for for the period of, of time that he was in college, I said, th- what did I say that rank like third or fourth overall mm-hmm. uh, in 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 uh, in uh, F, uh, uh, in div- div- you know, in, in the prime NCAA uh, school category there. So uh, that's something that you hope that, you know, what was it? One, uh, I forget what it was. What was it? Once every four touches, an explosive play or something for him on that. I, it's been a while since I, I wrote that up. But uh, uh, that's the kind of thing that you're hoping for when it comes to him is, you know, once once every four touches that uh, that that results in an explosive play or 20 yards or more. That's really how he can bring a lot of value to this offense in, in 2023 really want to see how he gets used by Matt Canada and offensively what's the snap total like what is the usage how much of it is gadget stuff how much of it is more true wide receiver routes which is something he's capable of you know I had a video on on the site on the channel a while back about tree archer why it didn't work I got so many comments is Calvin Austin the next tree archer I don't know what kind of career Austin will have but he's not archer because he is a far more defined receiver than Archer ever was as a running back or a receiver, and that's a big difference just foundationally in terms of how he'll be used in this offense. All right, got a very generous $10 super chat from our friend Nick Gooden who says, is this the best one can do at throwing mud at the wall and seeing what sticks at the inside linebacker position this year? I like all the investment. Have to look at coaching next if it still isn't better right. So thank you, Nick, for the super chat. Dave, your thoughts on the overhauling of this inside linebacker room? 
Well, that goes back to, you know, kind of what you had, had, had written early in the offseason after, you know, they had signed Holcomb and, and Landon Roberts. You know, just it feels like another year exactly of, of just that, throwing throwing the mud up against a free agent wall to see if you can get anything to stick. And obviously uh, them doing this hasn't gone extremely well. Obviously you, you had a, a high draft pick mixed in there where they attempted to address it uh, via the draft and with a high draft pick at that, Devin Bush, and that didn't uh, work out. And now, they're having to pay for the sins <laughs> of, of missing with that. You know, in a perfect world, uh, Devin Bush would have worked out and worked out uh, supremely. But you had, you know, you had the draft capital invested in it. It didn't work out. So now you're having to pay through it through uh, through through unrestricted free agency on top of that. So, uh, look, this is reg- regardless of how it goes this year with Holcomb and, and Landon Roberts. And you have to think they're going to go back after it again in the draft early uh, in 2024. And hopefully they hit this time here. So we'll see. You know, Holcomb, when he was healthy, at least on his tape, it looked uh, looked impressive. Uh, there's still what the amount of, of, of splash plays. And what was the big thing that we talked about coming out of last year, right, mm-hmm. was yep. splash, uh, plays. splash plays and and. You know, uh, tackles for loss and interceptions and forced fumbles and and fumble recoveries and all like that. We you know, we got to see that from this group in in 2023. And you know, hopefully they get the healthy version of Holcomb that we saw on the tape the last uh, couple of years. That will definitely help. And uh, you know, obviously, Landon Roberts is more of a a downhill type thumper uh, guy. But what do you what are you going you know uh, what are you going to do in you know if you get caught in some passing situation? Situations with both those guys on the field for, for whatever reason, you know, is that going to be an area that teams try to exploit when both those guys are out there on the field on maybe just first and 10 and, and second, second down situations there. So uh, we'll, we'll see how thick the mud sticks. Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> basically. will basically. Yeah. I'm not incredibly optimistic. Um, I think Roberts has a good chance to be a one and done kind of guy. And you're right. I think the solution is to go draft. I know that's not foolproof either as Devin Bush and Buddy Johnson have shown, but it's going to be the long-term path and how this team traditionally builds the, it, its roster. And they've actually invested a lot more capital in, in veterans and for agents and trades and they have draft picks and that's kind of counter to what this team uh, typically does. So uh, we'll see what happens, but I'm not uh, super optimistic that the guys are the guys for the future. Uh, let's see. we got a question from our friend Mike Adessa. Before we do that, just a quick shout out. If you guys could like the stream and subscribe to the channel, I would really appreciate that. Helps out a ton. Mike says, hey, Alex, we all are getting excited for camp to start. Do we have a schedule yet when they will do padded practices? I'm trying to figure out which ones to go to. Mike, there is no official padded practice schedule uh they will be in pads and the nfl just changed this recently it should be on the fifth day of camp i want to say they'll do the first four in shells and so whatever the fifth day is they sh- it should be a padded day with backs on backers of course friday night lights are going to be in pads they they always are you'll get backs on backers then too but um I, there are some limitations you can only be in pads i think for like three or maybe four days in a row then you have to go shells but Tomlin has discretion if he wants to go in shells one day because whatever reason the team just feels like they need that kind of breather, he can do that. I think to be in pads, you know, back-to-back days, he can do that. So there is no really official schedule for when this team will be in pads. 
It looks like, though, on that initial release that they had put out uh, with a schedule that's saying the first padded practice will take place on Tuesday, August the 1st. Okay. Is that the fourth or fifth day of camp? You know? uh, let's see. The first uh, practice open to the public is Thursday, right? So we're t- And how many days in a row do they go before the day off? Did we, wasn't it five in a row? Was it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah, just which – how or, what what day are they in pads? They're all, it's Saturday. Uh, Tuesday, August the first. Okay, so that's probably the fifth day. We can just count how many days until the fifth. I don't I don't have the schedule in right. front of me. Right. So, uh, but didn't we determine that there's no days off? Uh, aren't they running four practices in a row for the first day off? I don't even know. I can't even remember when the first day off is. Yeah, I don't know either. I. Again, I think it's the fourth or fifth Thursday, practice. Thursday, Friday, just... Saturday, Sunday. That might be the fifth practice because don't they have the Monday off? Yeah, they don't practice on Mondays at all this this camp. Okay. Okay, so fifth fifth practice. That's what I thought. Um, they'll be in pads. Yeah, they always. That's always kind of the the first one. Um, and then again, Friday night lights are in pads. Everything else is a little bit depending on what Tomlin decides. All right. Next question comes from and really, really more of a comment from David Kapoor. Not looking forward to seeing Millette in a Ravens uniform. Love his work ethic. Yeah, just got the news before we came on the live stream that Millette nearing a, an agreement with the Baltimore Ravens. And so he's got to gonna... make the team first, you know. True. You know, and, you know, guys that get signed this late, and I would imagine this is a one year veteran benefit contract, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, it's, there, there's no guarantee he, he even makes their 53. And, you know, uh, I, I that's something obviously to watch uh, moving forward in, in in into camp with them. But uh, I I don't I don't view this as a huge move on their part. To be honest with you. No, but it's an interesting footnote because Millette seemed to really force his way out of Pittsburgh and didn't seem to love whatever happened towards the end that you know ended up leading up to his release from the Steelers. So I think. I'm betting there's a little bit of a incentive for him to go to Baltimore and hopefully see his former team twice a year. Sure. All right. Next question comes from Brian Jonker. Is it true that signing Alex Highsmith used up all of our cap money and Joey Porter Jr. won't get signed? Dave? Oh, no, can you, no, Can you address no, that, please? No, they, uh, they used up very minimal uh, available salary cap space in, uh, this year in actually uh, signing Alex Highsmith. In fact, the way the contract was structured, they used just $1.467 million in available cap space in signing Highsmith. Once again, the issue with Porter, all of the issue with Porter is related to guaranteed money in the fourth and final year of his rookie contract. That's what, and this is something going back, and, and didn't I even predict it? Porter or, or Will Levis, they might be one of the final two uh, guys to, to, uh, of this rookie class, entire rookie class to sign. And I think at this point now, there are three players in the whole entire 2023 draft class uh, that remain unsigned at this point. I think Witherspoon, uh, the fifth overall pick for Seattle, and then uh, uh uh, what is it, Zach Char- Char- Charbonnet or Char- mm-hmm. Charbonneau, uh, also a Seattle, a second-round pick. He's the other one, and obviously Joey Porter uh, Jr. The whole holdup here with the Joey Porter Jr. deal was is is, is 
hung up more than likely on the percentage of the fourth and uh, fourth year money uh, of his. Now, the Will Levis contract came in, and what did I write? It was like 60.5% mm-hmm. of uh, his fourth and final year is is guaranteed. So, uh, And that was a bump up from... I think it was what twenty five percent the 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 kid that was picked after after him Laporta uh, right Sam Laporta uh, right right Sam Laporta there and that's that's a, hey good for Levis man yeah you know that that's why you have agents you know uh, to 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 try to push the the bar on these things so now that we know that Lev what Levis's deal is I would venture to say on the low side. Uh, uh, Porter is going to be willing to take 65% of his final year money, but more than likely he's probably even pushing for higher, for higher than that, probably along the lines of 75% uh, 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 guaranteed of his fourth and final uh, year. That's been the whole holdup on, on, on this deal. And look, there's not much left now. We just said that there's three draft picks that remained unsigned. They're going to, They'll get this figured. You have to think they're going to get this figured out soon. The only right. way they don't by Wednesday would be as if I, I, I think if his, if his agents are just thinking that they're going to try to push for as close to 100 percent as possible. But I uh, I'm willing to bet this comes in around 75 percent. I think that's fair for both sides, mm-hmm. considering the the, uh, the situation here. And once again, they're trying to posture on their side that, well, look, he's the 32 second overall pick and normally 32nd overall picks uh get a hundred percent of you know a hundred percent of the contract guaranteed well that all looks good on a bumper sticker and all but in reality he's a he's, he's a second round pick he's not a first round pick here so uh this is and and uh, look porter's porter's trying to carry the flag for future draft classes too yeah, or you his know? agents are carrying the flag. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and that's why you have agents involved in this. I know people are looking at this, say Joey Porter's greedy, and this isn't a good look. But there's a lot of things involved uh, here. So let's wait until we get to Wednesday, uh, or or at at the latest Thursday when when they start practice before we go criticizing him. You know, not being signed or whatever. I have a feeling they're going to work this out pretty soon here. Yeah, I think by tomorrow, Wednesday morning at the latest, um, you're going to see all these picks signed. Witherspoon was with the, what the fifth overall pick, and Anthony Richardson just signed his deal today, so that probably now clears up the the process for the fifth overall pick. And um, whether it gets done tomorrow or whether it gotten done two weeks ago, Porter's not missing anything. So until and unless he misses something relevant to the Steelers, even just uh, the conditioning test on on Wednesday afternoon then who cares when it gets done and it will get done. And I expect it will get done before that run test on Wednesday. Right. And he, you know, he hasn't missed anything yet, Yeah, you know? Right. So it doesn't matter when he signs, if he signs tomorrow, he's not missed anything. If he signs two seconds from now, he hasn't signed. He hasn't missed anything. If he signed two weeks ago, he didn't miss anything. So it's all the same. All right. Uh, let's see. Jacob Cridge asks, what's the ceiling for the O line? If Broderick Jones can't, cannot beat out Dan Moore jr. I still think it's relatively similar because um, Jones, if he starts, will, will take his lumps as a rookie and adjusting to the system. But the line, I think, can improve and become a, a top 10 unit at their best if everybody meets expectations and more can improve, too. There's a question, kind of a follow up from uh, Boatless Rule, who says, you know, Dan Moore is. Why do people say things like Dan Moore is when he's a growing, ascending 30-year player. So obviously Jones has the higher upside. He will eventually become the starting left tackle for this team. But whether it's Moore or Jones, I think that the ceiling for this O-line can be, you know, top 10 in football. 
Yeah, look, the expectation coming out of shoot, regardless who are over there is, who whoever is over there at left tackle, is is to be able to run the football, right? You know, and uh, you know, you you would hope to see you know Dan Moore Jr. at least take whatever's left in his ceiling, uh, that step right right out of the shoot, if indeed he he wins the job uh, coming out of camp. But uh, within that. Uh, it's only a matter of time before Broderick Jones gets in there. Is that going to be before the bye week? Is it going to be right after the bye week? Uh, I, I, if I had to bet, if 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 Broderick Jones does not win, does not beat out Dan Moore for that starting left tackle spot, I would like to think by the first game after the bye, he'll be in there. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, we thought that with Kenny Pickett last year, ended up playing you know midway through week four and started week five. Um, I think Moore would obviously, you know, have some issues against Bosa and Garrett in the first two weeks of the year, so maybe as early as week three with Jones, but we'll cross all those bridges when we come to it. Let this battle play out. Should be a really good, intense battle. I think it's gonna be obviously the battle to watch this summer, Dan Moore and Broderick Jones. So that's where my focus is at before we talk about who might replace who midseason. All right, next question comes from John Pennington. says, do you guys think the team will bring in a backup center before training camp ends? Before camp ends, probably not. They'll go through the preseason, but by week one, by that cutdown date in uh, late August, early September, you know, potentially. We'll just have to see how the guys do. Green, McCollum, maybe Spencer Anderson. They'll evaluate that group and, and make a decision from there. I tell you what, Omar Khan will have his alerts on uh, <laughs> on, <laughs> on his phone for the waiver wire and and and, and all like that. Uh, it's it could happen at any time. I, I think it, it it I think they want to look at what they have right now mm-hmm. uh, for for obvious reasons because there's no any any other really intriguing option out there right now. But you know, you have you have your your preseason scouts that go out and watch all the other games and all like that. So uh, will will it happen during camp? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I guarantee you that it will or it won't. I, I think it 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 the trend at least would be more to the latter part after camp breaks and and you get and remember that the you know there are n- none of these intermediate cutdowns anymore right. either. So uh, you're you're waiting. I if I if I had to bet, I would bet that it would take place right there after the final around the league cutdowns take place. Yeah, because that's when players become available, and you can add some of these guys that are in camp that are conditioned that are ready to go, as opposed to somebody that's been on the street and trying to get that get that guy post camp for the start of the season is tough to do. So it'll be a uh, someone on a roster right now. Jimmy Morrissey's a name I'll continue to mention, but again, it's going to come down to evaluating your internal players, your in-house talent, and go from there. Mark Miller says, are you nostalgic for the McLumina each year when training camp rolls around? You know, Mark, I am a no, little bit. No, you're not. Not, l- with that, not with that Porsche, <laughs> Porsche that you drive. With the, no with Porsche. With the quadraphonic blah yes, that's what I, that's what I put in Auto Trader and, and see if I could find me one of those cars. A, a little bit of nostalgia. It was my first uh, car to uh, to training camp, but then I remember it had no air conditioning and uh, the car itself would overheat because it had a, a, a coolant issue. And so I was hot. The car was hot. It was kind of a bad time, but uh, a little bit of nostalgia until I realized the air conditioning is uh, God's, uh, God's gift to us all. Uh just don't hit a deer, deer uh, on the way back from Latrobe. Almost did on my staycation, coming uh, home on the highway doing 60, deer right in the middle of the road. It, uh, it was a close call. I've had a lot of close calls. I think my, my luck's about to run out, Dave. 
What kind of car do you have now? Lam Lamber Lamborghini? Yes, what? the Lamborghini. Uh, no, it's an Infiniti G37, oh, okay. the two-door coupe. It's a nice car. I do like it. All right, uh, Eugenio Rosetto with a comment here, but a very nice uh, one we'll share. So excited for this season, Alex and Dave. You are the best. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate the comment. I'm always learning. Always keep your mind and, and ears open and always keep trying to learn everything that you can about this game, whether it be X's and O's, roster management, salary cap, all of it. I just, I enjoy, I really, really enjoy the process of learning new things related to the NFL in the story period. Amen to that. And today kind of feels like the first day of football season because my phone has been blowing up all day about tryouts and signings and everything and even players getting suspended for gambling. So football is, is back. Uh, Ken Sterner with a nice comment as well. I can't wait for your daily reports. Alex, always the best Steelers coverage uh, anywhere. See you on August 2nd. Yeah, be sure to say hello, Ken. It'll be good to see you again. Uh, John Pennington. I learned I learned so much from because I'm not there. Not you know we you know there's obviously clips and stuff that float around, but yeah. the questions that I have are more related to lines and rotations and who's who's doing what. Less so about how people are doing it because I I really you know I I really enjoy the preseason process where I get to see these guys in game mm -hmm. uh, experiences. But uh, I really really do enjoy the eyes. Uh, and, and the reports that, that Alex puts out. I learn a lot from them, really, even on the on the evening podcast wrap-up. I yeah. get a lot of my questions uh, answered you know, during those, during those podcasts. Thank you. Yeah, my goal of camp, I know that's a lot of notes, and not everything is the most relevant thing, but my goal for all you guys, if you haven't followed our camp reports before, is to make it feel like you're sitting there right next to me. I know Seals Nation is all over the United States, all over the world, all over the globe, and so not everyone can get to go to camp, and so for those who can't, we want to just make you feel like you were sitting right there and give you the best uh, vantage point possible. All right, question from John Pennington. With all the weapons on offense, how do you scheme a game without players getting mad for not being used enough? Dave, you can start this off. How do you balance between winning and trying to keep guys happy? Uh, just you hope you got the right guys in there, first and foremost, that that know that uh, winning uh, – uh, what, what's the old saying? Uh, Winning uh, cures uh, everything. Well, didn't know the tide lifts, uh, uh, rising tide, tide lifts, all, lifts all, all ships and all like that. And, you know, you, you, you've seen this in the past, you know, uh, Steelers teams that do well and, and, and go deep into the playoffs. Those guys that are free agents after that usually do pretty well. Right. You know, mm -hmm. uh, overall, we, we, you know, uh, that's what you've got. Hopefully you've got the right makeup. Now, look, is that going to uh, keep uh, wide receivers from coming back to the huddle uh, every play and say, uh, say I was open, you know, Kenny, obviously, uh, you know, probably has got some experience of navigating that through all that time in college. And now, you know, the games that he, that he, that he played in and started last year and all like that. Uh, you just got to keep these guys focused on the prize. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm sure there is bitching to some degree uh, uh, during games of not getting the ball enough, but you know, you hope you have the right kind of character guys as a whole where that kind of stuff just doesn't become a huge issue, you know? Yeah. And to my cliche, winning, curing everything, if you win, then people become a lot happier, not always happy all the time, but it's certainly a, a big deodorant to any ills that any individual a guy has. It's hard to complain if your team's winning, everyone just says, shut up and uh, we're winning and, and enjoy that. So as you said, I think you had the right answer, get the right guys. If you have the right guys, then it's not going to be 
uh, a concern overall. Uh, let's see, question coming from Mike Adesso. This is more for you, Dave. Is there any need to restructure TJ's contract at this point? It seems they don't really need the cap space as of yet. So, Watts deal, go ahead. You, you know, Mike, this is something as the offseason it goes to show you that, you know, you, you really got to watch this stuff as far as who's being signed and who's being cut and all like that. The gap has closed uh, quite a bit uh, as far as uh, I, th I think as far as restructure amount. Now, here here's the thing. You know, if you could unequivocally tell me right now that this team will will absolutely cut. Gunnar Olszewski, absolutely cut. Uh, Montravius Adams, absolutely cut. Oh, I don't know. Uh, name name some more names that, that have been. Uh, what are they going to do with Kevin Dotson? Is Kevin Dotson yeah. going to be uh, on on this fifty three man roster? Uh, who you know, going through some of these days. I think those are the kind of the the uh, the bigger. What's going to happen with Miles Killebrew? Is he indeed a lock? You would you would tend to think that Killebrew would make it, but what if he doesn't? Mm -hmm. There, uh, those are kind of lower level moves that if they were replaced by bottom of the uh, uh, roster. Uh, you know, rookie or first-year salary players. There's a little bit of salary cap space to 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 save in there. And you know, could could this get to a point? And look, another thing we don't know is what's the injury situation going to look like. How you know, I've got built into kind of my uh, estimation a three million dollar injured reserve kind of allowance, meaning that you're going to have to account for these guys. On, on the injured reserve, you're going to have to have, to have people uh, on the 53-man roster initially to kind of help cover for those guys. That's above and beyond, you know, 53-man cost. Will it be $3 million? Will it be less than that? I I don't know. I kind of build that in as, as a buffer there. I will tell you this. it's it If things go the right way for them, as far as injuries and as far as all those names that I named not being on the roster – Maybe they can get through all this thing without restructuring TJ at all. Mm. But but uh, I would still lean I, I would still lean toward them doing a restructure on him, just not a full one overall. So, but once again, you know injuries will play a role in this. Uh, the you know some of these roster spots uh, and all. Uh, that's why I I don't think you know someone asked me the other day, does this is there any should we expect a TJ Watt restructure anytime soon? I, I don't think so. Now, here, here's the thing with it on top of it. Obviously, if you restructured him for the full amount and you had that in reserve and yada, yada, you carry over any un, unused cap space, you know, from, from whatever's left over after the season's over with. But within that, you know, you're, you're still pushing money ahead into future years. And, and if it, as little as you can push ahead as part of a restructure, you want to do that. So that's why I think you're not going to see if a restructure with TJ Watt does happen, it's more than likely going to happen closer to the start of the season. But uh, you could map out some scenarios with the way the rule of 51 is right now and with projected cuts and all like that. That makes you kind of wonder, are they, are they going to need to to restructure TJ Watt at all? I think they do. I just don't think it'll be a full amount. If they don't, I know that's a heavy if, but if they don't touch his contract at all, wouldn't that be something? One of those unexpected moments oh, yeah. from month, compared to months ago. 
Absolutely. If you can get your situation, get yourself in a situation where you can leave his contract alone altogether, uh, it would be a huge win overall. For uh, it'd be one other win in this offseason for this team. Yeah. And this team's done. Yeah, I think they've done an admirable job of navigating uh, the cap. Look, the Minka restructure early on in the offseason was predictable, right? Because of the roster bonus, I think, and 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 all like that. You had to get that done early rather than late. You know, sure. uh, because of the roster bonus involved, you, you're not dealing that with that with, with a roster bonus with Watt this year. That's why you could put him off. Uh, they were going to have to restructure Minka regardless uh, of the situation. They did it early because there was a roster bonus involved. But if you can get out of this summer without doing T.J. Watt at all, or even if you did uh, where it was only a half a restructure with him, I, I, I still would consider that a win as far as cap management for this team. Uh, let's see. Next question comes from Brad Martin. Alex, I've heard a lot about what and who you're not excited about this year. Is there anything you are excited about? I'm excited about a lot. I'm just excited in general for a new season, the whole hope springs eternal thing. But I think for this offense, all the growing pains they went through last year, that was done to get to the spot they are now where they're past. Hopefully much of that still will have ups and downs. Won't be a top five offense, but won't be this young kind of ragtag group trying to figure out roles and who's starting and who are the leaders and what's the identity of the team. All those things are much more settled now than they were compared to a season ago. So second year guys, I mean, expectations for Pickett and Pickens and Warren and the left tackle battle, I think it's going to be really fun to watch and to see this offensive line with say a Malu at left card, I think a big upgrade um, and consistent upgrade over Kevin Dotson. That's going to be huge. The defense, the front seven, um, to see what DeMarvin Leal can do year two. Yeah, I think there's a ton to be excited about. So I'm always optimistic this year. I'm always excited. I always try to look more towards the good than the bad this time of year. We still talk about both, but uh, don't uh, make make no mistake. I am very excited to see this team come Thursday. I think Bullett's rule had kind of a follow-up on the cap. You know, Why not uh, restructure everybody as much as you can every year because you can roll over the cap space? That sounds good in theory, but also uh, you're leveraging uh, uh, those guys playing out their deals as well too. You know, mm -hmm. and then in the process, you are impacting future years by pushing money forward uh, to some degree. So uh, I, I understand theoretically where you're coming from, but you you if at all possible, you want to even though you can carry over cap space from year to year. Uh, and look, there's also the cash aspect of it, too. When you restructure a guy's deal, you're paying him cash money in the form of a signing bonus. Uh, on on top of it, so then you have you know you 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 have to put more in escrow and all like that because of it. So there's a cash management uh, uh, aspect to doing restructures on top of the actual just process from a cap standpoint. So so once again, and we've had several of these conversations during the off season, the difference between cash and cap and all like that. So uh, you want to, you, you want to manage your proper cash spending uh, as well as future cap management past even the current year that you're in, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Gotcha. So good explanation there. Mike Adesso, what's your podcast schedule going forward? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and daily reports at night recapping the day. Yes, that'll be the schedule, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And now this upcoming podcast for Wednesday will be later in the day after the players report and speak and Mike Tomlin speaks. Maybe we get the pup information, if any. 
So that'll be a little bit later. But yeah, generally speaking, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, back on the three uh, a week schedule, and then uh, evening recaps of training camp with Dave and myself. The My v- wife even said the other day, she said, "Man, it seems like you're 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 getting down to two podcasts a week is getting shorter and shorter." <laughs> it, yeah, it was only like three, four two weeks, weeks two two three weeks. Yeah, very very yeah. short. Yeah. Um, yeah, it used to be like a couple of months, but yeah, it's uh, the way the NFL has gone. David Kapoor, who will be the team captains this year? Good question. Kenny, will Mitch remain a – how would that work between Mitch and Kenny? Mitch being a captain last year, it's got to go to Pickett this year, you would think, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. you would think uh, it's going to be Kenny, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? And then Cam, and then special teams, Killebrew, if, Boss. Yeah, to me, it's Killebrew or Bust. Uh, if okay. Killebrew's not the captain, he's probably not on the oh, roster. Yeah. That's a fair point, yeah. And there may be some co-captains, but those would probably be you know your, your core three. Uh, C. Bizzle says, does Dan Moore... Oh, there was a super chat. I apologize. I missed a super chat here from Vegas. T.J.G. So a very generous $20 super chat. And uh, thank you for that. And he was one, including with uh, C. Bizzle, who was watching me play some Pirates baseball over the weekend. Uh, some out of the park 23 as the Pirates were making their playoff push. And so I want to thank you guys for nerding out with me for a couple of hours. But are you appreciate... up in like 2032 in that or something? What yeah. year are you in? I mean, I just finished the 2032 playoffs. Spoiler alert, the Pirates lost in six games in the NLCS. We gave it our best shot, but we lost to the uh, Colorado Rockies, who are a very tough team. So it's a have, tough you, have you have you won a World Series in my uh, did I uh, in my future years? I have never won a World Series in this game. I've been playing for years. I've never won once. It's a very difficult game, so it's going to be very special when and if that ever happens. All right, uh, let's get back to some football here, but thank you for the super chat. And C. Bizzle says, does Dan Moore's skill set translate to right tackle long-term to compete with replaced Chooks at some point down the road? Yeah, I think it could. I mean, I think it could. Run, yeah, I think his run blocking got better. I mean, he's not this, he lacks experience there. He played a little bit there early in his A and M career, but yeah, I don't see anything that says it can't as long as he gets comfortable and you know his punch. He's fine with you know kind of being a right handed type of player. Yeah, I think it can translate. And on top of that, I don't. I, you know, I think uh, I, I don't think right tackle a right tackle is out of the question at some some point in the middle of rounds next year. We'll see if, uh, you know, if the play, you know, we'll see obviously how Okorafor and Dan Moore play uh, this season. You know, Okorafor is playing for his right to stay on the roster next mm-hmm. offseason. Uh, so that'll go one way or the other. It'll either go really, really good and he'll be on the roster of uh, 2024 or he won't. You know, and then obviously you'll 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 find out what a little bit more about Dan Moore uh, this year, and you know who knows how injuries work out and who plays where, you know, uh, uh, right side. But yeah, I I could foresee a situation maybe where at least Dan Moore opens up 2024 as the starting right tackle. Yeah, I can buy that. I mean, you know, who knows for sure if it'll happen, but that's not a, a crazy. I think it's a, uh, to use your word, a plausible scenario for Dan Moore to open the year as the right tackle next year. Uh, Matthew Runninger says, if we're playing well through the midpoint of the season, what do you think the odds we trade for a big name player at a position of need? That is a loaded question, Matthew. Probably low because those trades don't typically happen. I know Minka was an exception, but it just depends on a million different different variables. 
Yeah, I, from where I sit right now, I'd be surprised if they if they traded for a big name player uh, before the trade deadline. But you know, injuries can impact different ways, and you never know who's going to become available and who's willing to eat what as far as salary. So I mean, it, it's it's it's. But if I was betting, though, I would say that they're not going to bet for. I mean, they're not going to trade for a high high you know high dollar player by by the trade okay. deadline. Ross Swisher, who will get cut? Adams, Leal, or Loudermilk on my 53-man roster that came out today. I had Leal, the only one of those three names, making it. I think Adams and Loudermilk are, are bubble players. They could make it, but I went with just uh, Leal, and his role seems to be a bit uncertain going into year number two for him. Yeah, uh, I would I would bet Adams and Loudermilk from where we sit right now ahead of camp don't make the 53-man roster. Patrick Donovan with teams showing off new uniforms for the year has me thinking, do you think the Steelers will uh, will Steelers go all white again? Will they ever go all white again? Um, I have no idea. I, I, what are your thoughts, Dave? I, I love the I love you the like all them? whites on the road. Uh, for, for, you know, I, I obviously would not like to see, you know, I, I don't think they should be brought back, you know, as, as a permanent you know, uh, uniform, but, uh, it would not hurt my feelings in, in the next five years to see them have maybe designated, uh, one game a season for the all whites. I just think they look ultra sharp and, and clean. Some of those old, uh, some of that old footage from, I forget what season was it? 74, 75, something like that. But, uh, uh, I, I just thought they looked sharp. Now, will we see them? Probably not, but, you know, if they were, it, it, it wouldn't hurt my feelings to see them carve out, you know, one game for like two or three years in a row to, to use the all whites sure. on the road. Yeah, I don't, you know, whatever they wear, cool with me. I don't really, you know, pay attention too much. I will say the uh, Titans Oilers throwbacks are really sharp. Those are those are really uh, a good choice by Tennessee. Uh, Nick Estrada says, how's Big Ben doing out there? I'm not entirely sure what this question means. Maybe a troll, but uh, he's got his podcast, and that's been going well. And he's traveling, and seems like he's having a good time in, re- in retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Can, this is from Patrick. Can restructures of contracts happen in the middle of the season? I think they can. Nothing sure. says they can't, right? Sure. Uh, sure. The Steelers don't normally do that. They would have to get into it because they, uh, you know, once again, I, I'm projecting them to go in, start the season with like a $9 million slush fund, if you will, for you know any kind of emergency uh, signings or stuff like that. Uh, I can't actually remember the last time that they restructured a contract once week one uh, you know, came about. I'd, I'd have to go back and actually look at some of the old uh, notes that I have. I can't remember the last time they did. There's nothing that says they can, mm-hmm. they can't do that, but uh, it, it would, it would need to be a really peculiar circumstance for them to get into to have to do that. Right. Their rule of thumb is basically, we don't talk numbers or deal with contracts mid season. Don't do extensions. We don't do restructures. Everything that needs to get done gets done before week one kicks off. Uh, let's see. Is the other Steelers safety Rod Woodson for the 33rd team? No, it was uh, Donnie Shell and Troy Polamalu on the 33rd team there. So uh, Rod Woodson uh, did not was not part of that list. Mark Irish, running backs have to evolve just as quarterbacks and tight ends have had to. Are fungible wide receivers next? That's an interesting thought. Dave, what do you think? 
What, what was the question? Are fungible wide receivers next? We've had fungible running backs. Could receivers ever become fungible? Yeah, I don't see it. Those guys uh, in the game is more slanted to wide receivers True. nowadays. You'll have, uh, and and every team has to have you know two or three of them at least. You know, uh, uh, I I don't I don't see a, a a time where the wide receiver become position becomes fungible, so to speak. Certainly not anywhere near sure. uh, 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 running backs for sure. Yeah, they won't be there like running backs because they won't have the durability, longevity concerns. But what I would say is there are so many talented receivers with the spread offenses in college football. It feels like every year the receiver class in the draft is amazing. So in one sense, you could just not pay a receiver because you know there are so many talented ones to to grab usually in each draft class. But it is certainly not at the level when we're talking about running back fungibility. I, I think kind of tacking on to that, though, because there are so many coming out you know, unless it was, it was one that's just a a generational and, you know, there's no such thing, obviously, uh, as a guarantee when it comes to these guys. But unless it's just a guy that's just I mean, this guy is the best wide receiver in a draft class in the last seven years. You know, does it make sense to kind of avoid that position in the first round? Uh, yeah, but I guess that kind of goes into the fun. I don't know if you're agreeing or disagreeing, but like, yeah, that yeah, goes into the fungible thought. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I am. I, I would, I would agree with okay. the statement, maybe more along those lines when it comes to first round. Right. I mean, Pittsburgh has the history of like developing and drafting receivers so well. They've drafted two receivers in the first round this century, in Burris in 2000 and Holmes in 06. So they don't, they, they take the mid round guys instead. Which is an interesting thought, I, I think, about that. But yeah, it's never going to be like the way running backs are right now with them kind of being discarded the way that uh, that position's uh, becoming. Uh, stack or starve, what happens if Joey Porter Jr. does not sign before camp? He cannot participate in camp. He can't go through practice. He can't, I don't even believe, uh, be in team meetings. He can't be around the team until he signs a contract. So um, that is the, the downside to a holdout. Uh, he would not be subject to fines because he would not be technically under contract, but he cannot right. participate with the team. Right. Uh, let's see what else we have. A couple more questions, and thank you guys for being here. Be sure to like the stream and subscribe to the channel. On the channel uh, and on the site, we'll post some videos of training camp, of the stuff that you can legally or like uh, rules-wise be allowed to post in individual sessions. So look for that on the channel uh, over the next week or so. Reginald Rivers says, will undrafted free agent David Perales make the 53-man roster? He was on mine today as kind of my one sleeper undrafted guy. Um, he'll have a, We talked about this, Dave, you and I on the podcast today. There's an uphill battle there, special teams. He'll have to prove that, but I think this guy's got a shot. Uh, typically in Pittsburgh, you see some of those unknown pass rushers create buzz this time of year. He's our skipper, Ola Daney, um, guys like that, and I think Perales could be that, that next in line. And I pushed back on Alex uh, on that uh, this morning. And, and look, I think Perales, uh, along with uh, Potterbaum, is probably the two most intriguing. Uh, and the, the draft class was so – I mean, the undrafted class was so small. <laughs> six guys, uh, I think. Six. Uh, yeah. they, they tried to get seven, and only six of them signed uh, overall. So, you, you know, you got a small – a very small group that you're you're, you're playing with. But I, I thought Perales and, and, and Potterbaum were – uh, the most fun to watch uh, on on their tape, and Perales is a very high effort guy. Uh, he's still got a ways to go, I think, with his pass rush plan and and that kind of thing. I just wonder what 
what he's going to bring out his shoot as far as a special teams guy. And that's something to really pay close attention to during the preseason games is how much burn is he getting snap wise on special teams? And is he making an impact? Because I don't think you can justify as long as those top four guys stay healthy. I think it's going to be hard to justify keeping him as a fifth outside linebacker. If there, if he's not shut yet, if he's not a guy that you can put in uniform and dress on Sundays as a special teams guy. So uh, it's going to be fun to obviously to watch him play defense, yada, yada. Uh, he's a, you know, I think he's kind of working towards a practice squad spot overall. But if you want something to really pay attention to, you know, above and beyond in some of these games is what's the burn on special teams and how can he make a couple of plays on special teams? Right. Those will be the keys. And those have been some of the issues with Skipper and Adani trying to like they would make the team or they would get close, but they would fall through the cracks or get released before week one because they were lacking some of that special teams value and ability. And that is certainly the way to make the back end of this roster is through special teams. Let's see. Humberto says, can, can Corey Trice start this year? That would be pushing it. Probably some injuries that would have to occur for that. I think we're talking about maybe some sort of dime package role at best for Corey Trice this year. If he does that, I, I'd probably consider that a successful first year. I think him even getting a helmet from yeah, where we sit true. right now. Uh, you know, you would like to think he's going to make the 53, uh, but, but beyond that, is he going to be a guy barring barring injuries, is he going to be a, 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 a weekly inactive? Now, the way to avoid that is to overtake James Pierre or, or something, you know, and, and be, uh, be, be, be a asset, you know, as a gunner or, or he's a big boy and he can hit, you know? Right. Uh, so, so that's another thing. I, I think his best way of getting a helmet uh, out of the shoot and, and being active on game days is to, is to, you'll overtake a guy like maybe James Pierre and sure. be a guy that you can count on, on special teams outside. If he's unable to do that, then you might be, you might be looking at him being inactive for most of the season, quite honestly. Yeah. That's one of those good battles. Trice versus Pierre, special teams for a hat, for a roster spot. Uh, those are the things that aren't as obvious as say the left tackle battle, but are going to be important to the makeup and roster construction of this team. A couple more minutes left. Matt, Manska says good which questions today. Yeah, really good questions. And and again, uh, last uh, live stream, we'll do one two weeks from now. The uh, Seagulls do not practice on any Mondays this camp. And so we'll be able to do these without any interruption to our schedule, which is a positive thing. Uh, Matt says, which wide receivers do you see making the roster outside the top four? Johnson, Pickens, Robinson, Austin, Gunner, and Boykin next two or a different route. On my prediction, I have five being kept with those four that you mentioned and miles Boykin being the fifth and final wide receiver. Yeah. If they did keep six and I, and look, I understand a lot of people high on, on a keen Butler for what he did, you know, coming out of, uh, 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 what was it? Yeah. USFL or XFL for get them mixed uh, up. Uh, XFL. Yeah. Uh, but look, he's, he's, He's another one, you know, and people get tired of us talking about special teams, but he's going to have to show up on special teams. And that's one area where Miles Boykin really excels at. So uh, if they kept five and if Boykin, if, if, if those guys stay healthy and Boykin does what he normally does on special teams, he's going to be hard. He's going to be hard to overtake. Not not uh, not impossible, as I like to say. But uh, 
you know, it, it would have to be a guy, you know, Boykin really going to have to show up on special teams as well, too. And, and obviously, you know, the big knock on him for, for his entire career is the drops and stuff like that. But uh, uh, I, I envision him only being five right now. Yeah, that's where I'm at. The sixth guy will have to earn that spot. I did mention on the podcast today, if a guy like Calvin Austin can't comfortably and reliably be your return guy, kicks and punts, even though kicks especially have been devalued, Gunnar Olszewski could play his way on because somebody's got to at least field some kicks, and you know if they don't have a guy, then it could still be Gunnar. But I left him off my initial projection. Uh, Humberto asking about the, the defensive package that had three safeties. What's it called? I don't know if there's a specific name for the three-safety package. Is there, Dave? Uh, I guess it, different people call it. I mean, some people call it a kind of a big a, 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 a big dime, right? Or a big nickel sometimes. Yeah. Uh, depending, big on it, depending on usage. Right, right. But I don't know if the team has any you know, specific name. I don't name think they call it anything. Yeah. Maybe they do, but I don't, I don't know if it is something. Uh, Ross Swisher was talking about Shamir Jones and Quincy Roche. That was, yeah, Jones, sleeper guy that actually excelled on special teams and made it over Roche. So, again, many examples of that. That's why I put Perales on there. Also references Marvin Harrison Jr. and, um, you know, what he could be next year, which, yeah, he's going to be uh, one of those top wideouts, no doubt about that. Jason, thank you for the reminder for the chat to hit the like button. AG Shadowman says Paris Ford will end up on the Steelers by the end of the season. He's a pit guy, so we'll see. I don't know a ton about his game, but uh, AG calling a shot there. Uh, David says, Dave's top camp emergent winner. And so I guess he's asking, who do you think like the number one showing from camp will be? Uh, are we talking undrafted or are we talking and, just yeah, across? It seems overall. seems like the, who, who do you think will have the best camp seems to be the question. Man, you, you, you can't help but think and wonder if if, if, if that, that award would go to George Pickens. <laughs> That's a good you know? point, yeah. You know, if he if he makes the development in his route running and, 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 and that kind of stuff there, uh, I can envision – I can envision camp breaking and us uh, and you telling me because you're there for all I'm saying, Dave, man, you just you would not believe the, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the training camp that George Pickens had. So uh, that's the first thing that popped up in my head. If, if we're talking like non, you know, if we're talking uh, just any player on the roster, uh, I and look, you want to get excited if, if, if Alex is saying. George Pickens uh, took that step uh, during mm-hmm. training camp. I mean, you really have to get excited about the upcoming season when it comes to him. So that I guess that would be sort of my my my, my choice. I don't think I can disagree with that. I, I didn't think about the question at all until you answered it, but I think 100% you're right. I mean, A, the guy was making a ton of plays last camp. Like, he was off the charts. I can't imagine what he looks like a full year. You know, in the NFL, you know, again, he, this guy barely played his last year of college coming off the torn ACL. So, yeah, this guy could have, like, an insanely good camp. I think that's the, the correct answer that you gave there, Dave. Uh, time for a couple more about the Ross Wisher. Are we trotting out the same punter guys? There's a new challenger in Braden Mann against uh, Presley Harvin. So it'll be those two guys uh, internally battling things out. Humberto, the, the battle of inconsistency, and right. be, because of that, I, I don't think anything's out of the question. I mean, you could even get uh, both these guys could be inconsistent enough where you're watching for someone around the league to get cut. You know, uh, uh, it's going to really be an interesting punter battle because of the history of both these two guys they have in there right now. 
And yes, Mann was the Jets guy. Pittsburgh claimed him off of waivers. Yeah, they're very similar, uh, him and Harvin, which is a bit strange. They're both Ray Guy Award winners, big legs, inconsistent careers. And so those guys internally will, will battle things out. Humberto says uh, the Steelers are going to be very good this season and then says the Steelers are going to be awesome this season. So optimistic tone there. Zach asks, any names to watch for a potential slot corner addition? I have not begun to look at any potential cuts. Have you, Dave? No, no, I haven't. Look, you, you obviously hope you can get you – know, you, you traded for uh, Allen Robinson, and you're hopeful that uh, uh, you, you got a real deal uh, in, 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 in Calvin Austin III to give you some snaps in there. I think he's saying other- slot corner. Oh, I thought yeah, you said slot wide receiver. Corner. Okay. Uh, no, uh, but – it would not surprise me. <laughs> it would not surprise me if that's one of those late ads from from around the league. I, I don't know who that name would be. I haven't even looked and, and kind of predict of who might get cut or, or or whatnot. But it would not surprise me if if that center where and and possibly even a, a, a third string running back uh, could be some late you know uh, right before the season ads by this team. Yeah, uh, probably, uh, or that possibly I should say, but in terms of who that name would be, I really don't know uh, there. I'll, I'll do more research towards the end of August when we're getting closer towards cutdowns to see what guys may make it, what guys may be in danger of getting cut around the NFL. Humberto asking about slot guys. He says Chandler. I think you're thinking of Chandon Sullivan. Yeah, I uh, just said it there. So uh, Chandon Sullivan may may take the first rapid slot corner in camp this year. And where it goes from there, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Joe M. says, going out on that limb, Steelers 13 regular season wins. So a big shot there from uh, from Joe M. Vegas says, some dipstick has TJ as the 13th most dominant active defender. Is that in reference to... Was that the pro football focus top uh, 100 or something where it was just the 13th overall player? Might have been. Um, Vegas, if you can add some context. I don't know if it was that, or maybe someone said something on NFL, the top 100. I know they didn't reveal the top you know, 15 today, but I'm not entirely sure what that's in reference to. But yeah, TJ is certainly better than the 13th uh, best defender in football. And Mike Adesso says Steelers are going to take a look at the inside linebacker room and sign Quan Alexander on day three of camp. And so a lot of, a lot of shots uh, being called tonight here, Dave. Yeah, look, I mean, they're going to have to – I would be surprised if it happens on the third day of camp unless an injury or something happened along those lines. But uh, uh, this is a guy that, you know, depending on how cheap he wants to play for, I like I, like I always say, I'd, I'd sign Alex on a veteran benefit contract. I wish Alex would give more effort on special teams. But, I'm, uh, trying my, I'm trying my best uh, here, Dave. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think – you know, barring injury, I, I would be surprised if you saw it. Saw a guy like Quan Alexander at this point would be probably better served on waiting to see what happens around the league as far as injuries and all go. You know, right? Yeah, probably waits there. But I imagine pretty soon you're going to see some of these notable names get signed. Sounds like maybe Dalvin Cook's going to be close to signing, and some of these other guys maybe getting the camps here right ahead of uh, the start of things. So. Uh, we'll see. There could be a kind of a pickup in in that uh, this last mini wave of free agency as camps begin, especially as injuries begin to strike. Let's see. Vegas said uh, it was just uh, not not the top 100, just defender. So I don't know what list that was, but uh, yeah, it sounds pretty silly there. John says drive safe, Alex, and be safe. Thank you so much, John. And Dead Planet says I'll have to catch you at camp this year, Alex. Yeah, be sure to say hello. I usually sit. 
50-yard line in the middle-ish overall um, with the binoculars and the nerdy the nerdy look. I'm pretty easy to spot, so be sure to say hello. All right, that seems to be uh, – uh, Vegas says it was the PFF 50. Okay, so maybe we'll have to go go check that out. But looks like those are all the questions, and so we'll, uh, we'll wrap the stream up. Uh, appreciate you guys being here. Again, training camp players reporting Wednesday. We'll be at practice for Thursday and uh, talk to you guys in two weeks with plenty to discuss, I'm sure, about the Pittsburgh Steelers' start of their 2023 training camp. So thank you guys for being here. Dave Bryan, as always, thank you for being here. And thank you for moderating and doing all this uh, every two weeks and appreciate everybody for showing up. Great questions. Good talk tonight and peace and love, everybody. Yeah, really good uh, crowd. Be sure to like the stream uh, just as a final thank you for the YouTube algorithm and certainly subscribe to uh, our YouTube channel because there'll be some camp stuff and some videos and certainly check out Steelers Depot for the daily camp reports and interviews and news and all that wave of information is about to uh, to come in. So thank you guys for being here. Again, 